Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And I immediately lost track of how many times people were getting slapped across the face. We're looking at <laughs> Carrie. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. There's a lot of slapping in this movie. <laughs> There's so much. Betty just, Buckley, just multiple Betty Buckley people alone. That she's slapping. Yeah, it's between Betty Buckley and John Travolta. Betty Buckley, I mean, Chris is the one getting the brunt of these slaps. She it's gets true. slapped so many times in this film. And I do not want to say she deserves it, but let's say she she definitely isn't doing anything in a climate where people are pretty slap happy to uh, <laughs> resist that. She could have called him a dumb idiot a couple less times. No, no. He I should th- never yeah. have touched her. Well, this is true. Uh, and as for Betty Buckley, I mean, it is funny. It's like, as like the words are coming out of our mouth, where it's like, you can't slap a student. You're going to get fired. She's like, she can't do But that. she's already just slapped Carrie, which I do also get that Carrie yeah. is like having a, a, a breakdown. Yes. She, we've, this is the, but, we set the precedent of that this teacher, if, no matter what the problem is, if like, hey, you, you're being a real mean girl and acting up, you're getting slapped. Hey, you're, you're being a bullied and having a breakdown, you're getting slapped. You thought you were dying and instead got assaulted, you're getting slapped. There are times later... All of Betty Buckley is just like just touching Sissy Spacek's face and hair so mm-hmm, much mm-hmm. Uh, maternally, question mark. Uh, but of her, where it's always just like, and now I'm going to smooth your hair. And it's like, am I going to slap you? Maybe not this time. But you, it could be like, I just got to get close to the face. I'm either slapping the face or I'm, I'm rubbing the face. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. I never thought she was actually going to slap her again. Well, it could be like a little like a, yeah, like a, like a real oh, like a wise guy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The way Tony Soprano is always smacking Christopher in the face. <laughs> it's like, look, you're, like you, you know, I love you. You're my nephew. Now, <laughs> give you a love smack in the face. Wow. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. Nothing tells you this was a different time like the 70s hair and the, and the 70s slaps. And the 70s and slaps. Slap happyness. Uh, Amy Jo, how are you doing today? Oh, Jeffrey, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. Uh, this is a listener request. We're, of course, still in October. This is in our, our second of our spooky, scary films Ooh. for this month. Uh, and this is a listener request from Nicole. So thank you for requesting this film, Nicole, because yes. this was a delight yes, it was. to revisit. And uh, so glad to talk about this on the pod. And real quick, listener, if you have been enjoying the show, please consider subscribing and possibly leaving a rating and review. It helps us out. It's real dumb, but it does. So our film this week, Carrie, came out on November 16th, 1976, was directed by Brian De Palma and adapted by Lawrence D. Cohen from the novel by Stephen King. His first feature film adaptation. And whatever what, happened to him? Whatever know? happened to that first Steve and King? Last. Uh, they misspell his name in the trailer. Like the trailer, they're like, from the novel by Stephen. They just spell, they just do the other Stephen right. spelling. Uh, wow. <laughs> When I was like, yeah, this is before he was, you know, the Stephen King. But yeah. it really, I'm sure it did not hurt that it was such an acclaimed film. Academy of Awards not. nominations for act, lead actor, lead actress and supporting actress. Mm-hmm. And I forget if it was nominated for anything else, but like those are always. Well, you're the, the one who did the research. So you tell me. I shan't. Uh, <laughs> so, Amy Jo, what is your experience with Carrie? Had you ever seen it before? This was my first time. Now, I've read the book. Yeah. Yes. And I am familiar, not overly so, with the musical. <laughs> right. The, of uh, course. Originally, of course. starring Betty Buckley as yes, Margaret White. Yes. And then they did a revival, uh, oof, probably about 10, 15 years ago with uh, Maren Maisie right. and Molly Ranson uh, right. off-Broadway. And 
and a couple other people that I know, and I did not see it. I meant mm-hmm. to because it was supposed to be quite good. But yeah. you watch the movie and you're like, I get why they thought that this could be a, a good musical. But I've heard many tales as to like, yes, why the original it version with Better Buckley. Yeah, big big flop. Which it's hard. I mean, because there's so there's such an element of camp to the film that mm-hmm. on one hand could lend itself. But it, I, honestly, it feels like a, a musical has to be a comedy. Well, I also heard that apparently, I think it was the creative team was English mm. and they wanted half the cast English and half the cast American. So when they did it in the UK, you're bringing half the cast and paying for all of them to stay. And when you bring it to New York, you're bringing half the cast. So you're like already sucking your budget dry right. with your cast. Cause you've, there's a reason people don't do that, yeah. you know? And uh, then there were a lot of like miscommunications between the creative team and like the, the design team, just cause they had different reference points because mm. you're working with like a mixture of Brits and Americans who hadn't worked together. So there's, there's a whole book on it. If you're interested, uh, what's it called? But not, not until Carrie, not, I'm going to look it up. Um, but there's, there's many an interesting fact, but I do think that, it's the kind of movie and and book. The book is excellent, you know. And yeah. it reads real fast. Mm-hmm. That that makes you feel like, oh, of course it should. It's like so heightened. Of course it should lend itself to some like gothic, upsetting musical. Yeah, but really, outside of Sweeney Todd, we don't have too many horror musicals that I can think of. You know, and Sweeney Todd has a strong streak of comedy throughout. True. Uh, also, it's it's based on a melodrama. Like, it's based yes. on a play. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, the book is called Not Since Carrie, 40 Years of, I believe it's 40 Years of Broadway Flops. Um, mm, so it's got a lot cool. of, like, the inside scoop on those, but... Nice. Uh, yeah, and I had seen this, I forget if I've seen, I definitely once, maybe twice. Uh, but yeah, really good. I, I had read the book, although it's been forever, uh, and it was really good to revisit i i really enjoyed it um not for nothing because of those two central performances Mm. from sissy's basic and piper laurie just crushing are amazing yeah so let's get into it spoilers ahead if you haven't seen carrie or haven't seen it in a while here's a brief ish synopsis shy 16 year old carrie white experiences her first period in the school shower and panics not knowing what's happening we'll hold real quick because there's some I was never this nude in high school <laughs> as the amount of nudity in this opening sequence. They are reveling in this nudity. Oh my gosh. They are so thrilled to I, be nude. I not turned as to you, thrilled as Brian De Palma was. Clearly not. Nude, clearly but. not. I think I turned to you as you're watching. I was like, I was never this naked in high school. And you went, well, Brian De Palma didn't direct your high school. This I was is like, true. now that is true. I'm like, how do you think like high school girls get very good at like, putting on and taking off their bra under a t-shirt it's because they don't want to be romping around dance we all learned the move (laughs) (laughs) it's because you don't want they want the opposite of this you know of what of all these like nymphettes romping around who are like also like clearly 25 year olds you know it's just like well thankfully i mean i'm glad that they all look i'm glad that they all don't they all look like they don't belong in high school since you have them all full frontal nudity i know it was wild between that and then the extended pe scene where it's like the detention like gym sequence where it's like Mm -hmm. why did we need so much uh, so many shots of just betty buckley's thighs and bum while she's walking around and they're doing like push-ups and and sit-ups so we're just seeing their thighs as well i was like you know what we did we needed those grizabella cake shots 
she was more covered as Grisabella in a do you unitard. Think, do you think that's what she was like thinking when she was singing Memory and Cats? Is she's like, rem- <laughs> remember like the way that I looked in Carrie? Remember like how good my thighs look in uh, She in looks gym incredible. Gym if you watch the, the Tony Awards for the year that she won for Cats and you watch her singing Memory, she does this on the big like, touch me. She goes from a full crouch to standing on the highest note basically mm-hmm. of the song. Just like she looks sensational on, I think it's 1983. And it's all those Tony's. squats that she had done Clearly. on the set of Carrie Clearly, that allowed they her to propel that voice up as she uh, uh, comes up from the squat. Anyway, all I'm saying is I loved like the vibe of this like 70s like haven of like, <laughs> oh, it's slow motion. Look at all this long, straight, center parted hair. Oh, we are merely like nymphs in the wood who are going to turn into like ravenous beasts in a minute and a half. Yeah. When, you know, but I didn't need <laughs> quite so much, if any, full frontal nudity. Yeah. As I told you last night, I it wasn't so egregious to me watching it this time only because my memory of it was that because the way they do it is like for the most part the girls that are nude are like in the background and right. all the girls in the foreground are clothed have already dressed and there's like one that has the towel that's mostly it's like covering themselves mm-hmm. and one that's like nude as like the camera pans for some reason i remembered it as like every single girl was completely nude <laughs> that it was and and whether or not it was like high school me seeing this for the first time that was like whoa hooba hooba or that it was <laughs> that i was just like what am i watching this has been or it might have honestly been that it's <laughs> it might have been that i was like watching this like i'm you know i'm high school i'm living with my parents i am watching it like in the basement and i'm just like got one hand on the remote control to change the channel if i hear because anyone coming down the stairs it feels like it might as well be 30 naked gills on the you're, screen you're, you're watching you know real sex on late night hbo you're watching whatever uh you know the playboy channel which we did not have but they could be like did you somehow order the playboy channel like, like no, what I'm are watching you watching film carry right right i once <laughs> i mean just to give more even more context uh back when you were getting netflixes in the mail I once got, cause I was, you know, I want to see all classic films at this point in high school, college. I was like, I, I want to see every, like these classic films. So I rented M from the thirties yeah, and the plot description of this movie from like the 1930s yeah, it's is like a, yes, but it's from the 1930s. It's like this child killer is like all the yes, criminals. Peter Laurie is a court. pedophile and a child murderer. Sure. But from a movie from the 1930s, you're not going to be. Thirties is pre Hayes code. Yes, and also but, this is a foreign film you're okay. talking about. Wow. Okay, so I guess you're on the side of my mother who's, <laughs> oh. who read because they would just like take my Netflixes to be like, oh, is this something that we'd be interested oh, in that we could all watch together? And she was she she had, she had a talk with me <gasps> about like I don't know that you should be watching movies like oh this. I'm like, gosh. this is I swear to you, the there mo- is nothing like, graphic right. in it whatsoever. There's like, what is like you, at the beginning you see like some small girl and then you see like a ball like a, a children's ball go bouncy bouncy down the street and that's the most that you say yeah but it was just so funny i'm like you this has this is nothing like what you are imagining no no i don't no. know what 1930s version of like a bloody slasher that my mom was envisioning uh so that's with that said that for this i was like very just like oh, ready to you know all i meant w- with regards to like what you were saying is like there's these like hedy lamar films from the like 
early thirties where she is like fully nude. And it's like, cause like there was, there just weren't, the censors were not uh, right, right. on of course, it. Of course, of but, course. Uh, but as far as M so goes, funny. there's nothing within M No, that no, is no. Like, the most ominous thing is his, like he's whistling Peter and the wolf and you're like, Oh, here comes Peter Laurie again. Right. Right. Uh, but yes, I, so, so it might just be my Catholic guilt remembering it as a, everyone fully yes, nude right. and like a full, like, as we were just like, like lounging in like this, uh, field, uh, of a bathroom scene. Oh, uh, man. so yeah, but Carrie, no idea what a period is. So she's freaking out, gr- trying to grab at everyone. It's such an, this opening sequence oh, is so effective. Yeah. It's so horrible. It's just horrifying for <laughs> putting you back into high school and remembering how awful it is. Uh, cause all of her classmates are humiliating her, throwing tampons at her while chanting, plug it up until the gym teacher, Miss Collins, Betty Buckley intervenes. And we get our first case of Carrie's powers where she pops the light bulb mm-hmm. with a mind. Uh, so Sissy Spacek asked Brian De Palma how he wanted her to react when she realized that she's bleeding in the showers and he's told her it's like you've been hit by a truck. So she talked to her husband, Jack Fisk, who was the art director of the movie. Oh. Who as a child had <gasps> been run over by a car when he was standing in the streets looking at Christmas lights a neighbor oh. had put up and used his description of the experience as a basis for the scene. Now that is <laughs> married couple teamwork. I just got total chills i mean clearly he was okay because he is yeah but like you're a child yeah. i mean imagine that it's like yeah. that you can't write that i'm looking at christmas lights like the and most car hits you like what, what is a this perfect encapsulation of childhood sad james joyce story oh my gosh Ooh. so well, after, effective <laughs> yes 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 so after arriving home carrie meet or i guess we, we get this great introductory scene of uh carrie's mother margaret Ooh. white going to visit one of the classmates that's like part of this, uh, Sue, Snell. Of, uh, Sue Snell, her mother. So Car- Margaret is visiting her of just like, I'm just here to tell you about the Bible. And she's like, here, I'd like to donate $10. And she's like, oh, I see. You just give me money to make me, to go, make me away. go away. I'll take the money, but I'll leave it off. <laughs> but she doesn't say any of that. No. She acts it, oh, baby. She's acting it all. She's baby. she and her Hyper-lory. hair are making all them oh, acting that choices. Frizzy red hair. Again, Those everyone's costumes. hair is perfect in this. They really did like great hair actors, great hair acting. Yeah. And Sissy Spacek, I mean. Is she like the difference of like how she is costumed and the hair throughout most of the film and then how they make her look in the prom. Yes. It is. It's so well done and really is like the, yeah, the power of wardrobe and makeup for an acting performance. Yeah. So after arriving home, Carrie's fanatically religious mother, Margaret tells her menstruation was caused by sin. And she's like, Oh, well you must've sinned. And that's why you're, but it's so, it's so heartbreaking. You know, she's uh, Carrie is on the floor floor saying like you should have told me mama you should have told like carrie knows she knows she's living with this abuser you know and the mom just like refuse oh it's It's also why sissy spacek one of the many many reasons why she's incredible in this and why when i think sissy spacek this is always the film that i think of first Mm -hmm. because she's not dumb she's just so sheltered but that you see like that wanting to like i want to live like i want to grow like this could very easily turn into mama rose and louise and gypsy you're so right i'm a pretty girl mama yeah yeah uh it's uh, every every moment with the two of them together i'm like this is dynamite Mm -hmm. uh so 
Margaret locks Carrie in this prayer closet with this nightmare statue of St. Sebastian with like uh-huh. stabbed her with, with the, the eyes. eyes that like look like they light up, which I believe that is to see SpaceX husband, Jack Fisk. I believe he made that. That's like what he created that, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at school, darling, I made you the most beautiful yeah, nightmare right. prayer closet. <laughs> You'll love it. At school, Miss Collins reprimands Carrie's tormentors, punishing them with a week long detention during gym class. And this scene feels like it's a week long. I will say that. This is where most of the score is so great. It's so either so lush and beautiful. All the stuff at the prom, like when she's dancing with mm. Tommy, it's so gorgeous. And then when it gets scary, it's like this, like night, the nightmare strings, except for like the few scenes like this one here where it's like a dying. Whoa. It sounds like when Hal is dying in 2001, a space odyssey. <laughs> it sounds like a dying, an old 80s computer like slowly dying this weird weird synthesizer i don't know what this score is doing as as we are seeing it's living in 1976 baby so long we are watching these 30 year old high schoolers do squats and crunches and lunges and uh what did i say i was like wow for a 90 minute movie they're sure spending a lot of real estate on this like a comedy squat scene we gotta stretch this time out we're not quite 90 minutes yet which i kind of i'm I like, I like of how, like, we are going, we are, we are rocketing yeah. and it all, you know, your opening scene is what gets all these girls in trouble. And then it continues to inform the plot. Ex- it all, yeah. it all builds from this. It's not like, well, here's like the mini, the mini, uh, version. Here's the subplot of whatever this, this time when Carrie and Chris get into it. It's like, no, it's just what you get from the beginning. You're like, from the beginning, you meet Carrie botching this volleyball uh, hit where yeah. it just completely botches it and they're all like that's, that's how i the played game. volleyball and they're yeah. all just like stupid carrie she's the worst Eat well shit. and then in the scene after like immediately following the shower sequence um it's the mrs miss collins the um the gym teacher. gym teacher talking to the principal who's a real idiot and she's saying she's always been their scapegoat like Carrie's been their scapegoat. So right. it's like such a great example of like economy and screen screenwriting. Like we see it and then we learn from this interaction that this is not the first time. This is constant, you know, and it gives us that context. Definitely. We also forgot to mention that in that first scene, as they're all passing her by, we get the first uh, hat sighting in the film from Norma. <laughs> the important hat hat sighting. girl. Her, her name is technically Norma, but I think she should just be credited as hat, hat girl. girl. She should ju- just be hat girl. This one of the mean girls with this red baseball cap. It's got a little rainbow on the side. Wax sissy SpaceX with it from the jump. Uh, and apparently it was after PJ souls who played Norma. Uh, she was not supposed to be in the entire film. She was only cast for two weeks, but she just improvised whacking her with her hat. And Brian De Palma liked that so much that he decided, like, oh, no, you're going to be in the whole film. Well, she's great. But that's, you're like, <laughs> that sometimes it does work out. Yeah. That you're like, I, it took, but to just, like, I'm going to whack the lead of this film with my hat, like, in the head. And you see SpaceX, like, what the hell was that? Well, there's, like, uh, Michael Yuri tells some great story about, like, when he was initially on ugly betty he it wasn't necessary i can't remember if it like was just supposed to be a guest spot like it wasn't necessarily recurring but vanessa williams liked him so much and she kept like giving him tickets he hadn't really done tv before that he'd been a a theater boy Mm -hmm. she'd been like basically encouraging him to like why don't you just like get a little closer into frame why don't you do this why don't you do that because she liked everything he was doing and then like because he was like very funny they're like oh and this dynamic between them is good 
Why don't yeah. we keep? So it's like a great example too of like the alchemy, especially on screen when you're like, we only need to get it once, so we yeah. can add or subtract whatever we want from there. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing all these mean girls working out uh, for their punishment and detention, and Carrie's longtime bully, like the leader, really, Chris Harginson, the worst, just like walks out. You're out of the prom, Harginson. Yeah, she gets smacked in the face, and she's just like, "I'm quitting." And it's like, now we, if we, she can't get away with it if we're all banding together and no one is on They're her all side. Like, it's like just and Amy Irving and Susan, just shut up, Chris. Just shut up. Because they also all know we deserve it. Right. You brought up a good point that like if if this were done more today, like that probably the way you would show this scene being because the point of the scene being so long, really, other than showing off like, you know, 22 year old thighs is, oh, this like drove Chris to be so angry that she would take the action she will take in the rest of the film. It's like so you were saying like, oh, yeah, it'd be better if like we shouldn't just like dripping with sweat, looking they disgusting. Should so, they should be gross looking. So yeah, like and like on like Chris should be like throwing up. It should be like yeah. I, we, we've been hot an hour working out in detention in the sun. You are not giving us a break. She should throw. She should like get throw up, and the other girls should laugh yeah. at her. And that's like no, I'm Absolutely not the one they laughed at. This is Carrie's fault. It's like we were just watching Private Benjamin, and it's like when she's going through basic training, and, she, and she's like uh, this person who's used to looking and presenting yeah. a particular way, who has a strong <laughs> attachment to looking and presenting a particular way, looking like a disaster and not being okay with that. You yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Chris vows revenge against carrie and now she can't go to the prom anymore so plotting vengeance her and her boyfriend billy nolan baby travolta uh, seeing him playing sort of a hick it's a (laughs) real unexpected move i I don't mind it don't mind it one bit uh which i love like the posters are like sissy sissy spacek and john travolta because even like then when it was just welcome back Cotter, but he was such a big enough. Well, he's so funny and welcome back Cotter. Yeah. He's just, just a big enough, like rising star from that, that it was like, no, you are our number two build in this film somehow. Even though his one interaction with her is at the end being like, Hey, that Carrie White's pretty cute. That's yeah. like the first <laughs> moment they're even in the same room. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Like we realized that like Sue Snell doesn't have a scene with her no just just the shower scene at the beginning where she is like yeah. handing out the pads to the girls to throw out and then you see her immediately feel bad once right right once betty buckley comes in and her being like oh i i should have chosen differently like that's the one yeah. scene they are even they would even have shot but together. i always remembered it, it being like well even if they're not friends they must have like some interaction like where it's like well margaret is going to their house so it feels like that they must like at least live near each other so maybe they're like neighbors and like you would i, well, I, then I would when, think they had some scene together when amy irving comes home that first day when sue comes home and she talks to her she's like was that carrie white's mom so clearly she wasn't like oh what right. was carrie white's mom doing here she was like was right. that so right. it indicates that also i think she still knows what her mom looks like well how can you miss her well um she's enough. like i'm stevie nicks but yeah. worse <laughs> you know but it's like uh, she still has to ask you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm I was like, Stevie Hicks? <laughs> Is that something? No, Stevie Hex. Stevie Hex. Oh. Uh, so they, Billy and Chris, they break into this local farm to kill these pigs, to drain their blood into a bucket. This is shot exquisitely when, like, Travolta brings the hammer down and then she's yeah. like, do it, do, do it, it, do it, do it. And they cu- keep cutting back and forth. Yeah. Very violent editing. It's, it works well for me. It's giving you that early De Palma. Uh, yes. And they place this big old bucket above, which I was confused by the timing of this, because they place this big bucket above the school's main stage in the gymnasium. And 
then we cut to them decorating the gym for the prom. And I was like, I feel like someone's going to see this bucket. I would think, because it also had stars on it like it had been decorated. The bucket did? Yes. I didn't even clock that. When you're looking at it from the top, you know, you have a few views of it during the prom from the top. There's like one, because it's love under the stars is the prom theme. (laughs) A stupid prom theme. It's terrible. But you know what? Sure. It's a cheap way to decorate so they had these silver it should be like love under the so it should be hollywood themed i love it at the stars you should have instead of actual stars you should have pictures of you know katherine hepburn and sydney Poitier oh my gosh on the that's wall. better this just looks like act two of a low budget production of carousel mm-hmm. you know and they're like oh i'm just hanging up these paper stars i got from party city don't mind me <laughs> remember that scene in carousel where they're hanging up the stars from party city yes that's the star the star maker party city well they're not they're not that's explicitly from party <laughs> Party city. Okay. But in a low budget production, they probably are. Anyway, um, yeah, so it clearly looked like someone had put them up there to disguise it, but Sue was never up. Sue was never up on that ladder. No, Sue was up on the ladder. Chris was never up on that ladder. Don't know. It um, makes sense, though, because if they'd done it that day, there was not time to get the bucket up there. Right. Yeah, I guess that's so, true. I don't know. Um, Maybe she sent Hat Girl up there to put a star on it. I sent Hat Girl up there. Camouflage. The bu- put a hat on the bucket to disguise it. Put a hat on She the just bucket. had like a big giant hat to cover oh the gosh. bucket when with. When they're in that beauty parlor and she has the hat, the hat on top of the dryer that she's sitting under. That You know that's like a last minute touch. Like it feels like they you were know like, oh, that's we're the actor along. or she something like that. And they're like, oh, well, clearly. For th- and you know whether or not it was her or maybe it was De Palma that was like, Oh no, keep the hat on at the prom. She'll still wear the hat in the prom. And then when they do what this shot of them, yeah, with the the dryer. How will they know like, who it is? How will they know? And I, I I'm sure they were like, okay, is it funnier if the hat is still on her head under the dryer? Or if we place it on yep. top of yep. the dryer, this is the winner. Is, here we go. Here we are. Hat girl. <laughs> uh so Sue feels bad about joining in in the locker room torment. So she asks her boyfriend, Tommy Ross, to invite Carrie to the prom. Carrie initially thinks it's a prank, but he insists that it's genuine, and she reluctantly accepts, though her mom is like, they're gonna laugh at you, Carrie. They're all gonna laugh at you. After the blood come the boys, the boys, the boys. Sniffing around like dogs. Oh my gosh. Uh, and throughout all of this, Carrie is slowly beginning to slow- discover her powers of telekinesis, that she can move things There's with her There's a lot about telekinesis in that school library. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> how well stocked they are on the powers of the mind leading to telekinesis. Uh, yeah, you'd think it was at least be the town library, but I think it is the school I think it's library. The school library. Well versed in telekinesis, surprisingly. You know, I don't think my school even had a library <laughs> and this school's got telekinesis <laughs> in the books. Man, they're well funded. This is the seventies, you know, and people when schools had funding, they had the funding for telekinesis. Well, books. and they weren't spending money on computers, you know. Ooh, good point. They good were point. spending money on a well-stocked card catalog. Very excellent point. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Margaret demands Carrie not go to the prom, and this is when Carrie is like sh- uses her powers on her mom for the first time. It's just like and just forces her yeah, down. She on the shuts bed with all her mind. the doors and all the windows. The windows, right? Oof. Uh, and Margaret denounces Carrie as a witch after she leaves with Tommy. So and I love, it's so, oh, Sissy Spacek is so good, where she's just like, it's not the devil mama, it's me. Just her her calm assurance that she starts to build. Yeah. And it's, I mean, because also thinking about it, she's a senior, so she's 17 or 18, and that's why they're like, it's a bit late to get her first period. It's like, how, like, malnourished and like that's that's 
very late, you know? Um, so it's just thinking it, a lot of times it'll be like, a, uh, someone who's like a gymnast or a ballet dancer, someone who has like very intense physical activity from a young, young age will be much delayed in, in getting their first period. But this is like, Oh, this is like a spiritual malnourishment <laughs> as well. You I know? mean, yeah, I would assume it was just like the living conditions, but it could yeah. be related to her powers I think in it's some a combination way. of a combination. all the things. So during the prom, Chris and Billy hide under the stage while their friends switch the ballots, Hat Girl and some other obnoxious guy. Yeah, he's terrible. Uh, that they, to ensure that Carrie wins the prom queen title, as Carrie stands on stage with Tommy, and it, all this is just like, it's so gorgeous, all the stuff before this in the prom. And it is just to make it fall, the fall that much mm-hmm. greater. But well, and also so that we we genuinely start to get to know, like, that people are like, oh, I'm I'm willing to be open to this yeah. person. She could that have most, a future. Most of the students are, they are perfectly nice to her. It's just like these few mm-hmm. mean girl bullies. Uh, yeah, so... Chris and Billy hiding under the stage. Uh, as Car- so Car- as Carrie, of course, is the iconic moment. She's standing on stage as Tommy, finally beginning to feel accepted. And Chris and Billy, Chris and Billy pull the rope attached to the bucket of pig blood and douse her. And they s- promptly sneak out of the school. This empty bucket hits Tommy in the head, which appears to kill him. I've thought about <laughs> this. And what I think is that it knocks him out. And as they're trying to get him out, Everyone who's trapped inside that building dies. I don't know. Gym teacher, Miss, what's her name? Collins? Collins. She's like checking on him, like as if trying to take his pulse, as if it seems that he has died. Uh, perhaps. Uh, I, I do think regardless, like I forgot to, it's been so long since I've read it, but regardless, everyone that was in the gym itself perish. It goes up in flames. So yeah. they're all going to die. I, I saw that remake with, um, Chloe Grace Moritz and Julianne Moore as Margaret mm-hmm. White and Judy Greer, the great Judy Greer as the gym teacher. Uh, and I think in that they specify, they're like, he's dead. Just to be, just so you know of like what is happening. Cause it is so bananas that he just gets conked on the head with this bucket. He also has, cause he's got the most gorgeous seventies blonde Those flowing locks. curly locks. He's Goldilocks and it's great. And that bucket of porridge hit those Goldilocks and he like wiggle waggling as he goes down. Uh, But yeah, so this is what I mean, this is what we all have built to. This is what we've come to say. Carrie is hallucinating that everyone is mocking her when it's like a few. It's hat girl and glasses Mm -hmm. are are like laughing at her. uh, And she just has this outburst of her telekinesis. She seals all the exits has this fire hose blasting everyone until like hitting the electricity. So now everything like shoot that shot where it's like the principal on like getting electrocuted and suddenly like the whole background goes into flames and it's this space that just covered in blood looking like an alien with the entire background as flames is so incredible. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And her performance in this where it's just like so stock still, that's one of the things because I Chloe Grace Mortz, I like as an actor. And she was like 15 when during the remake. So you've got someone who's actually a high schooler. And I don't put that on her, but they have her like really like, I'm controlling the telekinesis. I'm using very Elsa in Frozen are the gestures you're using right now. In Frozen, Vivi Scarlet Witch. It's like I'm doing like hand witchy acting that I'm doing all this, opposed to just like this is so like a like a like a frightened bird. Because she's also like in a different movie. If this is like 
like say like Harry Potter, for instance, they learn how to harness their abilities. You know, any of those like coming of age, I'm a witch uh, kind of movies. This ain't that. You're a witch, Carrie. You're a witch, Carrie. No, I just have telekinesis. But she doesn't ever get to that point. Like they are also like an initial initially like it is with with some of it's a common trope in these coming of age magic stories where it's like it's an outgrowth of her agitation. Matilda. That's a great example. Like Matilda starts they they the, her telekinesis begins as like an outgrowth of her own agitation in this situation that she's in and then she learns to harness it and Carrie never gets that chance. No, she doesn't get Teen Witch's Zelda Rubenstein to come in and explain to her her powers. No, she doesn't get Rod Dahl's Miss Honey. You know, she gets or you know Miss Collins who tries. She doesn't get you know knock knock on the door and like who's this wheeling in? Patrick Stewart as Professor Xavier. You're exactly. a mutant, Carrie White. You got to come hang out with Wolverine and go uh, fight some back. You're fight a mutant, Ian McKellen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So sh- Sissy Spacek or carry laying waste to this entire school uh and then she's she it kind of like cut to like she's now out and is walking home as chris and billy are like now we're gonna run her down it's like you met did you did you not see what just happened in that gym well they left before it happened but i don't know that it i would think that they saw that it's on fire but they don't know it's because of her but that still is a big jump to we're gonna get a bunch of pig blood to dump on her head yes, correct there she is i'm gonna run her down in my car correct i but chris is the worst yeah so yeah so the last second carrie like looks back and flips oh, their car so as they just good. flip <laughs> the they flip like the, the footage they just show like them in the car they're not flipping the car they just have when you see because it's like it suddenly goes into widescreen as the entire like Hort, like widescreen image just goes they just flip it it's so mm. i can't tell if it, that is funnier or the earlier scene with tommy and his friends trying on tuxes oh where they gosh. suddenly fast forward two <laughs> lines of dialogue but like it's like the chipmunks where it's something like, i was like what why you why didn't you just cut why did you fast forward like what were those two why did lines? we need this scene of you all trying on tuxedos i i don't know was there some kind of like joke that someone made that like oh well now some something happened in the news like i, I have no idea time wise but like oh no we made a joke that could be related to uh you know hinkley taking a shot well, at totally. reagan so that's in poor taste now i just don't know why we needed that scene at all of him like trying on tuxedos with oh it's kind two- of funny well to me it was just showing that like he, he's still a nice guy this yes. guy's a nice guy he's with his friends he's joking around but he's like you're seeing him be decent to other people when it when it's just with carrie you could be like but is this for real no totally um, but we didn't we didn't need it. But I I, I don't know. I, there was something I didn't about mind it. But I was like what that are we of doing? just helped build up the ensemble that I liked, and also that it's just a moment to get to know these other guys who are also gonna die. Yeah. That these guys that have, don't seem to have anything against Carrie. I mean, like, nope, they're all gonna die. Yeah. The gym teacher doesn't die in the book. Dies in this movie. Well, and she also like imagines that she's like right. Ah, uh, you can she's trust laughing me, Carrie. Right. Um, so Sue survives having been thrown out of the prom by Miss Collins because she Sue is like almost stops the bucket from falling. Oof. And Miss Collins thinks that it's Sue is like, oh, you are actually she's suspicious of like what? What? Why is, did you tell your boyfriend to go yeah. to the prom? You know, well, right. she's, she caught her throwing so. pads at oh, of course. Carrie. Like of it course. makes sense. She's trying to help. But it's like, oof, we could have prevented a lot of, yeah. a lot of death, a lot of death. Uh, and yeah, Chris and Billy, this car flips and 
explodes. As you said, one of the few times it makes sense for a car to explode in film when it is a someone with telekinesis. Because she looks at it forcing and is it like, to explode. blow it up. Uh, and so Carrie gets back home and cleans herself up and Margaret comforts her and then stabs her in the back with a kitchen knife. Okay, now wait, we have to mention she's like, walks in, candles. I've never seen more candles and I've seen a lot of candles in my time. They're on literally every surface. They're on Margaret's bed. There were two candles like the bed candles. I was like, well, that's just asking for trouble. Well, I'm sure it's a very firm mattress. Um, But regardless, she's like, mama and can't find her. And it's like, look out, Carrie. So she goes into the bathroom and you see that Margaret's hiding behind a door. Just so she's standing behind the door while Carrie takes a bath the to entire wash time all of this blood off which is a lot and then when she return comes back out then margaret is like i'm, I'm here behind the door we're gonna pray and now i'm gonna tell you the real I'm, yes story. i'm gonna tell you that i'm gonna I, tell you my backstory right that i and was then, raped by your father and but i enjoyed it and therefore and that was the sin that yeah. made you so that's why you're a witch and i'm gonna kill you uh as she's just chasing her around with this knife smiling yeah. It's so creepy when she's coming at her like beatifically, like dressed in white, like an angel. But you're like, oh. <laughs> and then Carrie just levitates all these knives and like potato peelers, just shooting them into full Saint Sebastian body. It's amazing. Like, what an end I mean, scene I for this character. I mean, not in a bad way, just in a like, oh, wow. Wow. You know? Yeah. And then the whole house comes down. I'm from the force of her telekinetic powers. Yeah, well, that's that's also like the flames that started in the gym. I don't think we're necessarily just an electric fire. I think it was clearly mm. also just like part of her like brain sparking all of that, which is like I think she got to a point where she couldn't like control any of it. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So the house goes down on both of them. Uh, and sometime later, Sue, the only survivor of the prom, struggling to deal with the trauma she's experienced, has, which we soon learn, is a nightmare in which she lays flowers on the charred remains of Carrie's home as Carrie's bloody arm lunges from the rubble to grab Sue's forearm. And with the film ends with Sue waking up screaming with her mother comforting her. So two, two points on this last scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever the stickler for authenticity, Sissy Spacek insisted that it was her and not a double whose hand shot yeah. up from the grave. Yes, but that that required them to bury her in the ground in order to get that shot. So she is... Like, this is, De Palma was very like, no, this is so much easier to just get a stunt double. We're literally having to put you in a box and stick you underneath the ground in order to have your hand come up. And he said, well, I had her husband bury her because I certainly didn't want to bury her. I used to walk around and set up the shot. And every once in a while, we'd hear Sissy, are we ready yet? (laughs) Yeah, Sissy, we're going to be ready real soon. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, that is the bonus of having uh, the person's partner on set. Because also, you know that, like, he's probably got a keen eye on, like, how long? we uh have my yeah. wife down there right but in general like apparently he was the one like in the opening shower scene to like put like blood in her hand like in one of the shots it's like i'm here with that which it feels like oh. to have your partner with you in like scenes that could be like so traumatic yeah so awful to film is like that's so great to have like oh. your person with oh. you i mean speaking of sue snell's mother is played by Priscilla Pointer, who's Amy Irving's real-life mother. Really? They apparently worked together on, like, seven or eight films. Oh, my gosh. And so you can see, if you go now and watch the film listener, you will see in this last scene that Amy Irving's outburst so terrified her mother that she calls her Amy. 
because she said she had never seen her daughter that hysterical and so she called out her real name in concern however like the music is like rising is so loud but you can hear her being like like it's like amy it's okay it's okay oh she's like i'm <laughs> acting mugger i am a professional i will shortly get an oscar nomination for, for yentl for hadas in yentl previous episode <laughs> <laughs> so the casting director of carrie was harriet b helberg Carrie was their first credit as a casting director, and they'd go on to cast such projects as Barney Miller, the Neil Diamond, Laurence Olivier remake of The Jazz Singer, and Night Court. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned, some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. I'm as ignorant to the casting options as Carrie is to the facts of life. So let's kick it off with that titular caddy. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Sissy Spacek, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? She's incredible i love it so much she i love this performance so much heartbreaking but you get like why people are kind of freaked out by her she looks like a malnourished woodland creature mm. that then that morphs into an alien when she's then covered in in blood and being like telekinesis she's so heartbreaking she's so i mean that scene when they're at the prom and she's dancing with tommy and they're doing that like spin 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 like the camera spinning faster and faster around them it was like i got so emotional because she invests she puts so much into what she's doing you know but it, it also just doesn't feel like a performance it feels like a happy accident even though i'm sure it's scripted when she's like awkwardly like almost kisses him and mm-hmm. and they're just like oh hey no harm no foul and then he kisses her but it feels like the it, like the impetus of her like started to be like wait what's happening am i kiss and then she she like puts her head on his chest Mm -hmm. uh, to cover it's just it feels so real yeah and that's throughout the entire film is like how real it feels like everything from the jump from that sissy spacek would have been a great laura wingfield in the glass menagerie there is i was reading some of the reviews and of the film from back in the day and some were talking about this glass menagerie energy between her and piper laurie yeah and then you have the gentleman callers as tommy character who's like i'm kind of just being nice you know (laughs) Uh, I think she's so wonderful for options around the time. Cause it looks like she was also the oldest out of the kids, you know? Um, that sounds, I think that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. I think she's two years younger than Betty Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are born with a maternal energy. What can I say? It's also hair, you know, you, the, de- the hair that well, Betty and Buckley the makeup has. They put Betty Buckley in she's that like strong makeup. Than the rest of the girls. Which is, oh, she is. I was like, and Betty Buckley's pretty short because I've met Betty. Oh, well, at, well, at least <laughs> but, she looks, she read as taller, whether or not it was lifts in her shoes or, yeah, or however they, they however shot them. The girls um, but yeah, so um, for contemporary options, I, I thought someone else who, if you want someone else with those like big saucer eyes that you can read as like beautiful and potentially really quickly go to disturbed, my first thought was Mia Farrow. Mm. that's like also mm-hmm. you know done some horror films very yeah. beautiful but you would get that people would be like a little freaked by her if she was costumed correctly you know yeah yeah the, then this is purely someone that looks like her i think she's a very fine actor I and mean, if she was younger 
maybe, but I could see her being more probably of a Sue. But like Lauren Ambrose really looks oh. a young Lauren Ambrose really looks like a young sissy spice again. A way I never had occurred to me until I was like yeah. watching. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. it's the similar face. A similar face does not a similar performance make, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> Lauren Ambrose is is good at acting. Um uh let me see. That was not a contemporary choice. I mean that was a contem- more contemporary, but I mean like contemporary to uh the film. You know who is the same age as Sissy Spacek? Is Francis Conroy. Whoa. And that's someone else who I was like, oh she's like weird. Yeah. <laughs> she's weird and has a very fragility true. to yeah. her yeah. that I and, and yet a spine that I think would be very interesting. Also the same age, Meryl Streep. Oh. A very I mean, young Meryl. I mean come on. we know what I've we heard she can act. About? I have heard rumors that she can I have act. Heard rumors. Someone else who is that same age, Shelly Duvall. <gasps> oh Shelly. Shelly. Oh, I would that that sounds amazing. Yes, because she is definitely strong. You know, yes, but that's what you you want. You need you want it. Someone that's what I mean. Bit of like a creature. Yeah. Yeah. And, totally. Uh, I could so see that. Shelly. Shelly. Well, y'all. Oh, Carrie White's welcome to Fairytale Theater. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, if things had gone differently for Carrie, who's to say? Who's you know? to say? Um, and then some, she would have been a bit young for it at the time, but just thinking very young Whoopi might be very interesting. Oh, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, those are my like older thoughts. More contemporary, and this is not someone who I think we would normally think of this, but think she has done more dramatic work. And I would be actually very interested to see uh, like a young Aquafina in this role. I mean, look, I, I recommended it on the pod early, early on, mm-hmm. but her in the farewell is is a game changer of a performance yeah. where it's still where it feels just like with many of the great comedian dramatic turns where it's still there's humor to the performance but it just feels like that you're seeing like this is them in life like, you mm-hmm. know like when you're when when you would see robin williams like in in goodwill hunting where there's still so much humor yeah. to performance where you're like oh but you're seeing like the emotional and like, like the pain underneath that. And like Aquafina in the Farewell is so, so good that I'm so excited for her to hopefully branch. Continue to launch. At, continue yeah. to branch out. Because I, I mean, I love Aquafina. you know. Cast her as the voice of a dragon every given day. Given the usual things that I expect with Aquafina, voicing a dragon, Nora from Queens, things like that. She's great. I love it. If she were to only be doing stuff like that, it like would crazy still be, would be great. fantastic. But her in the farewell was like, oh, you're an amazing dramatic performer. You're, you just have, you're just an open, perfor- you're just open. Mm-hmm. It's that openness. Which is what you need in this character. Yeah. Someone who's like too open, so open that they like are that a it's raw painful nerve. to look yeah. at. And that high schoolers will Ugh. pounce on that openness For and sure. vulnerability. Yeah. It's that, it's that full of how vulnerable she is in that opening scene that she is fully naked and is just like clawing at people. Like, like help me. I am think I am dying. And for high school, whoopsie mm. tootsie for you. Cause they, that is, you just signed your death warrant. Yeah. Well, little did they know they well. did it to themselves, but yes. <laughs> yeah. They got a real Uno reverse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my other thought, which this would probably a, a bit younger um, of, of this actor, but just thinking of Betty Gabriel in get out. Oh yeah. I was like, Ooh, I'm really interested in what like, yeah, young, a young Betty Gabriel 
would have given us. That'd be Margaret in the sequel, hey, or in the in the re, in another in another remake. You know like what? We need another remake. Like what? Richard Linklater should have done <laughs> Carrie, where you have the same actor playing the daughter and the mother, but years apart. That feels like a real Richard Linklater move. You know what I mean? I thought you were gonna say is just be he would just make Girlhood, but it would be a, a secret <laughs> Carrie film. That it's just it feels like a coming of age film until. They get to high school and suddenly becomes a horror film. Can you imagine if he just remade Carrie but called it Girlhood and you didn't realize it until two thirds of the way through? You're like, this is just a Carrie. Could you imagine if Boyhood, if you were like an and ninety minutes into the two and a half hour runtime, <laughs> and Ethan Hawke was suddenly like. <laughs> Oh, you know, uh, you know, when, whenever a boy gets an erection, that's because he sinned. Like he's suddenly he's like, wait, what? Where's this coming from, Ethan Hawke? Adam was weak. <laughs> and Adam was weak. Say it. <laughs> Say it. Uh, that'd be hard to picture, and I don't want that, but I kind of do want that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like of the time, little young in this year, if it was made a few more years later, I could see Jodie Foster. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah! Think it'd be great. It, that center part, no one rocked that it quite the same. Part uh, or Jennifer Jason Leigh. She was up for everything in the seventies. Mm-hmm. I think at this point she was like twelve or thirteen, but like a little bit a little later is like I think she would be great. Young Diane Weist, I think would be <gasps> amazing. Thinking of how funny and fragile she is, and like Hannah and her sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but later, Diane Weist also killer Margaret. Yeah, oh yeah. That's ex- that. that's an example of true West casting. Yeah. If you're going to cast an actor that's only two years younger than the person playing your mother, then have them alternate. Have it be both Diane Weiss. Yeah, I mean, look, I love Julianne Moore. I did not care for her in the Carrie. I mean, there was a lot that's wrong with not, the Carrie sequel. That does not seem like a gimme to me. Right. I mean, the, I didn't see it. The Carrie sequel, the main problem was that it just felt like... Sequel or remake? Sorry, remake. Was that it would... It just felt like, what so... What no, 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 sorry. in the sequel? There, there is uh, the Rage Carrie 2 that they made in, I think, the late 90s or early aughts, where Amy Irving (gasps) reprises her role as Sue Snell to be like, oh, I have seen this before of, like, you, young girl, I'm trying to help you before you kill your whole school as well. And it's the 90s-est of Mm -hmm. films. Uh, But there was also, there was that, there was, like, a TV movie version of Carrie with Patricia Clarkson as Margaret White, Mm. which that's what you want. And then there was, like, the big-budget remake the one with Julianne Moore that Julianne, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, I love Julianne Moore, but it wasn't what I wanted. She's, and also the remake, it feels so close to this film. And it's like, no, 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 you got to do something different. We already have the classic film. If you're going to remake a film, do something wildly yes. different with it. Here's the thing about like a Julianne Moore who again, phenomenal actor. You look at the, specifically the role of Margaret White. And that is the role that I would say uh, a lot of drag artists respond to. You know, like that's that's the potentially camp role, the role that became camp, you know. And like part of it is you need an actor like a Piper Laurie, like a Betty Buckley in the, you know, uh, musical version. Someone who is not afraid to lean into that largesse in a very serious way. Um, and Julianne Moore is someone who to me seems always so rooted in like complete naturalism that it's like i don't margaret white is not living in naturalism right there is like the largesse that julianne moore reaches just isn't the right largesse correct specifically thinking of magnolia where she's telling a pharmacist to suck her dick like that's the (laughs) that's very different than yeah and like made today i mean chloe grace moritz was fine but they just it's also it's it's nothing against her but it's what the difference of costume and wardrobe Mm -hmm. where the 
whenever that film was like 2012 that she looks great in it. And it's like, why does she look, why is her hair done up? Why does she look where you're like, she's wearing makeup? Like, why, why don't you trust, like, let her, don't put makeup on this performer. Let their hair look Mm -hmm. like trash. Like, let them actually look like, like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you bothering you? Like, what a mistake to be worried about like, oh, but she's still, it feels like there's some idiot executive is like, yeah, but she's still got to look fuckable. She's got to look hot. Exactly. I'm sure that's 100% what was said. And it's so obnoxious um so she's fine in that but like if, if, instead of that if uh, i think sir sharonan i think would have been a really oh, interesting character. that's White. smart yeah like that if that was like the, the big thing after atonement like somewhere around like mm. 2010 or so uh or honestly i don't know why she came to mind jenna malone i think is an underrated actor interesting i randomly there's someone referenced Ron Eldred of all actors, which led me to remember seeing him in the second cast of Doubt, which on I also Broadway, saw with him, Eileen Atkins, and Jenna Malone, and Jenna Malone were the new actors. It was Heather. Uh, oh God, what's her name? She won. I think she won a Tony for the Viola Davis role in the movie. The actor, right? Who originated she that role? This- still saw her. She was phenomenal. So you're th- you were thinking of Heather Goldenhurst was the original sister James okay. Adrian Lennox. Adrian Lennox yes, won. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, she was great. But I saw Jenna Malone as Sister James, which Correct. you see in the movie of Doubt. That's the Amy Adams role. Uh, Amy Adams also would have been a great. Amy Adams would have been, been great in a lot of these roles. This is very true. Thinking of drop. Thinking of drop gorgeous, gorgeous. Previous episode. She actually is. She's got the range. She could play them all. A- Amy Adams in Carrie, a one woman show. <gasps> I'm still in. Now like, that, she would be a great gym teacher. Yeah, Carrie's a stage show. should be a one-person Now, show. don't give me ideas, because Listener, I might have to do it. if you want to see Amy Jo in a one-person Carrie, write in, too, and almost starring oh at gmail.com. Gosh. Unfortunately, I'm very excited by this prospect. Yikes. Um, there's but, rights issues involved. But Jenna Malone was so good as this Amy Adams role, Sister James in Doubt, that I was like, I think I would have been interested in something like that that she's an interesting presence to me whenever i see her pop up and everything from hunger games to like garbage like sucker punch it's funny to me because i was thinking of her because one of her co-stars in another film i have on my list in another role and i was thinking Mm -hmm. of having seen her in various other things including this off-broadway production of morning becomes electra Mm. where she's like so intense because oh. she plays Letitia, which if you know morning becomes Electra, and I know you all do, um, is really intense. Um, so I was like, oh, like she might be interesting in, in a variety of these roles. But you're right, actually, that makes me think like she'd make a really interesting also, like saved yeah. as well as another one that comes mm. to mind of like thinking of her. Uh yeah, those are my thoughts. So as for Sissy Spacek, as we've said, so good. So she was not considered for the role of Carrie until her husband, art director Jack Fisk. It helps to know somebody. He convinced Brian De Palma to allow her to audition. Because apparently, according to Jack Fisk, uh, I I believe this basically helped him on the set of previous Brian De Palma movie, Phantom of the paradise i believe is the name the phantom menace phantom of the no phantom of paradise this like weird like 70s early 70s musical so he thought of her as a set dresser because that's what that's what she did on phantom of the paradise like yeah Yeah, i'll I'll make some money she's helping out her oh my gosh right 
Uh, I mean, also, it's also, it's so early on in her career that it's also like, yeah, I guess you've, you're acting as well, but this was like the totally. But this is also why I stopped doing dialect coaching on productions because I was like, I was meeting too many directors who then later were like, oh, but that's a dialect coach. I'm like, I'm an actor. This pays my bills to dialect. I'm done with this. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So Sissy called Brian De Palma and said, Brian, I'm coming in for a test for Carrie but I've also got an audition for a Vanquish commercial where I can make $10,000. Should I do that or come in? And she thought he'd say, oh, please come in. I got to see you. But he said, well, Sissy, I think you ought to do the commercial. And she was so upset that she sat down. This is Jack, her husband, saying she sat down in her living room and read the book of Carrie from cover to cover. She didn't sleep, got up the next morning, put Vaseline in her hair and put on a little sailor dress that her mother had made her in seventh grade. <gasps> then she went into where they were testing. And apparently Sissy Spacek said that she like got there. And like there were like I, somehow I guess at this audition, there were hair and makeup people that were like, <gasps> like trying oh, to no. go to her. She was like, get back away. <laughs> Have you like, read she, the text? She was pulling though Betty Buckley and just like <laughs> slapping their hands away. <laughs> no, 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 no. This I'm going in looking like a drowned rat. And so she said when she was, and that, of course, got her the role. It was like, oh, you're brilliant. You you're it. perfect for this. Oh, you can act. You don't just move stuff around a set to help <laughs> your spouse. I get it now. Oh, I didn't realize that you could move stuff around the set with your mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so when preparing for the character, she isolated herself from the rest of the ensemble, decorated her dressing room with heavy religious iconography, and studied uh, Gustave Doré's illustrated Bible and she studied, this blew my mind, the body language of people being stoned for their sins and would start or end every scene of the film in one of those positions. Oh I love it. The nerd in me just got so happy. I but love that. Like knowing that, listener, if you're just like, like, I'll just listen to the episode. I don't need to watch the film. Like, go watch the film. Go watch her physicality in the in throughout the entire film is incredible you know what, what i will say this was not an actor and they would i'm sure be offended uh, to be recommended for this so i did not put them in my casting lineup but you know who this performance reminded me of and that was greta thunberg who is the <laughs> young swedish climate activist uh -huh. just her intensity and her singularity of purpose and you know greta thunberg is somebody who's been diagnosed with asperger's and like selective yeah. mutism and everything and it's been very open about that and just like her i feel like if there's someone in this contemporary world that could move stuff around with their minds and someone said oh that person is greta thunberg i'd be like that tracks for me i love it if she could be cleaning up our planet with her brain That'd be pretty rad. Yeah. If she could just be like lifting an oil tanker with her mind, and I like would blowing pay it up. But good money to see you know, that. but but in an, an a, a, you know a, a way that would be yeah. good for the environment. Yeah. Then yes, yes. Oh, uh, one more. I also was Carrie. I could see uh, Thomason McKenzie, I believe is her name, who's in Jojo Rabbit and Leave No Trace, and is going to be in this new Edgar Wright movie, uh, Last Night in Soho. I think they'd be they'd be really good as well. Mm -hmm. If you've seen either of those, I'm sure you're like, oh yeah, them. They're great. Uh, who, they, they should be exploding any day now. They, they soon will be the person that, like, your parents are like, oh, Thomas and Mackenzie. The I, I know this thing. From that, everybody's everybody's <laughs> lips is gonna be Thomas, Thomas and McKenzie. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue. It rolls off the tongue. Now, as for the actors who were actually considered for Carrie right off the bat, Brian De Palma was wedded to the idea of 
Amy Irving playing Harry. I was wondering, watching all of these gills, I was like, there had to be plenty of people in all of this who were like, oh, you read for this, but you got that and blah, 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 blah. Which I get it. I Yeah, sure. She's, I I really like her in this. Uh, And it was like one SpaceX crushed the audition De Palma gave Irving the role of Sue instead, which you love to see. Yeah. You love to see that opposed to like, oh, you know, I would have cast you, but this person is a better fit. So, you know, well, good also, luck. I think what Amy Irving does really well, and we'll get to it more when we talk about Sue, is that she plays like hot girl who still has like feelings, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think that sits really nicely on her in this movie. I agree. And I, I could see her version of Carrie. I could see the film still working. I don't know if that would have gotten her an Oscar nomination the way that Hadass and Yentl did. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested in that. Uh, Jill Clayburgh auditioned for the oh. role, which I'm interested in. Uh, Farrah Fawcett auditioned for the part, but had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts with Charlie's Angels. Well, I was going to say, wasn't she already a full grown, which Sissy Spacek was nearing 30 by this yeah. time. However, she doesn't, really right. hold herself that way but to go from i'm you're watching I'm me on sex tv symbol. every week in charlie's angels in 1976 she instead had logan's run well there you go famously then she wasn't yet 30 uh carol kane was considered interesting yeah this is the same year as dog day afternoon interesting. which is great and is a few years before her big horror film when a stranger calls mm-hmm. uh i mean i i could see it i feel just like look wise like that wild curly Again, hair clearly de palma was making a lot of choices based on hair so i feel like <laughs> that would have worked very well in her favor melanie griffith auditioned oh she would have been very young 18 at the time which is still like yeah you're about the the right age Mm -hmm. for the character she'd had like she had a few film credits but this before she was like yeah the real like oh you are a dynamic performer in something wild and working girl thinking about how her as tess and working girl she has that like meekness with the backbone underneath i'd be interested to see how she would like turn the dial up and down on those different qualities in this yeah I wonder. I wonder, especially when it's like you've got fa- a famous, a famous mother, mother, you know, of what that what that does to your psyche. Like, I do think that there is like she might have something to say. with this Yeah. Role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carrie Fisher. Now, this is talk about a famous mother. But, <laughs> <laughs> this is a little more on uh, 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 the apocryphal sub- side, apocryphal side. So this is what I've heard. George Lucas and Brian De Palma held a joint audition for Carrie and Star Wars. And so there's a long-standing rumor that originally Sissy Spacek was cast as Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher was supposed to do Carrie. But when Fisher refused to appear in the nude scenes and Spacek was willing to do them, they switched parts. However, Carrie Fisher says, no, 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 no. Quote, not only do I love being nude, I would have been nude then. But anyway, it's total bullshit. Well, this also sounds like not like the story that Sissy Spacek related about how she went to her audition. It does not. So I, I'm well, unless it means that like they still could have auditioned. They each could have auditioned for both. There also is the possibility that they did hold a joint audition, but it was more of a general and neither of these people were at that audition. You know what I mean? Like, so people, the right, fans right, right. could be conflating a lot of facts yeah. into like so one I, thing. I don't know what is the actual story. That's what Carrie Fisher is saying. Mm-hmm. There is like the apocryphal nature of 
right, what right, right. other people have said before. Um, but that, it, if that was actually the case, that we could have had Sissy Spacek as Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher instead, like who would have still been the idea of Sissy Spacek still playing now General Leia yeah, today, I like, like it. what? And Carrie Fisher would have been Carrie. I'm interested in that. I mean, it. I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I think that totally. like, it feels so iconic for both of them. Correct. Uh, but I, I always love Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Carrie is Carrie? Yeah. I, I mean, Sissy Spacek definitely is more creature. You know, yeah. it's hard to separate the kind of like wisecracking thing from Carrie Fisher. Agreed. For me. You know, um, but obviously, like, people can act. <laughs> they sure can. And that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. Or in this week's case, Two Truths and Some Person, because gender is what? Dead! The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Carrie in when we not, and Amy Jo has to guess which is which. Your options are yes. Glenn Close, <gasps> Meryl Streep, uh- and Linda Blair. Mm, okay, all right, all right, okay. <laughs> Ooh, your tricks. It's really my favorite part of every episode. <laughs> I don't know why I get so intense about it. <laughs> but it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> You're just like <laughs> as if steam is coming out of your ears. <laughs> your, I'm your thinking so hard. Are, your fists are clenched yes, right now. They are. They, oh, I'm thinking. <laughs> Um, they're my thinking fists. They're my thinking fists. <laughs> um, okay, 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 okay. It makes sense to me that they would consider Linda Blair. Sure does. I feel like, especially in the horror genre, which it's shocking to me this is considered a horror film, but it is, you know? So it's, it's especially in the horror genre, oh, they love reusing a well-known horror actor. PJ Souls is in... What, Halloween, Halloween, yes. Hat Girl herself was going to be Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Private Benjamin. <laughs> and Private Benjamin. We were like, wait. We were like, oh, Carrie's fine. You know what? Let's because we've we discussed in the pod several times before about Private Benjamin would come up, and I was like, I still I've not seen it. Listener, I was like, I'd love to watch it. And each time we're like, we should watch it, and then we don't because it's never been streaming. And yesterday we we're like, let's just rent the damn movie and watch we it. We watched Carrie and then watched Private Benjamin, and I was like, oh, she looks familiar. And then I didn't know until just looking up because I was like, I didn't know Harry Dean Stanton and Albert Brooks were in Private Benjamin. Only Goldie Hawn and of course M V P. Eileen Brennan. So looking up, I was like, PJ Souls, wait a minute. I just saw that name when doing my mom a search for Carrie. That's Hat Girl. That's Hat Girl with a brunette bob. Being a real uptight teacher's pet. Yeah, teacher's pet. Anyway, she's great. She is. Um, okay, wait, okay. Uh Linda Blair. All right. Um Glenn that makes sense Close, to me. Glenn Close. Meryl Streep and Linda Blair. I'm gonna say Glenn Close was not. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. <gasps> Meryl. Ding, ding, ding. As far as I could tell, Meryl was not considered for Carrie, but Linda Blair and Glenn Close were. Mm. Linda Blair supposedly turned it down. So supposedly she was offered the role, but turned well, it down. She's probably also like, typecasting. I, exa- I was about to say, she's like, I, mean, I don't want to do horror films all my life. Right. Although that's, I mean, that's kind of, you know. I know. That's what she got. That's, she's, she'll pop up in horror films and it's like, you know, it, which is, it's hard. And on the one hand, it's like, well, that's a steady gig. To be like, you do a few big horror films, like PJ Souls, I forget the names offhand, but looking up to see what else she'd been doing since then, and she'll occasionally pop in in like a third sequel of some horror film or some random no-budget horror film, and it's like, yeah, you know what? Make that money. Yeah, why not? 
I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, and Glenn Close auditioned, which is she had a few Broadway credits, but no film credits until 1979. So this could have been her film debut. Her debut. And watching this, I was like, Glenn Close would have crushed oh, Glenn Close. Margaret White. Would be a perfect Margaret. Also, the hair acting, again, yeah. would be on point. Thinking of that fatal, fatal attraction, attraction hair. Her at the end of Fatal Attraction. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so let's move on to Sue Snell. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Amy Irving? Who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I really like Amy Irving in this. Same. She endears herself to me. I think it's kind of a tricky role because she just basically, you just have to believe in her good conscience, basically, without a lot of lines about it. Yeah. Um, but I think she does such a great job. I totally buy her as this girl who's just like, oh, shoot. I, cause we've all been there, right? We're like, oh, I said something that now I super regret or, oh, I, I went along with this group of people and now I realize I hurt someone really badly and, and I regret that and I want to take it back. If I'm not joining in with the bullies, then I am aligning myself and becoming one of the bullied. Yeah. It, that yeah. For high school, it just feels so often, at least for me, that it was like, oh, I guess I'm you are you there's no middle ground it's like oh i guess i'm just going to be bullied now because and see luckily it, whatever i went to a couple different high schools and like i just like was i think for a shy person socially well adjusted enough and also like hanging out with the theater people enough to where i was like in in my high school in colorado like no one really gave me a hard time about anything in texas a little bit, but mostly I was just like hanging out with theater people. And I was like, I just don't, I, I will not put myself in a position to be around people I don't like, you know, and there was enough room to do that. So I watched this movie and I'm like, oh my gosh, like how many people had experiences like this? You I mean, know? this is a small class. Very. Like the size of this gym class, all female gym class well that's also the volleyball team the volleyball team so i don't know oh. i don't know how much of that's the gym class it's a volleyball team that like carries mandatorily on you know yeah she, it, again, it seems like it's a gym class because she, she's told yeah. like you're excused from gym class right. for the rest you're of right. the week i guess it's just the go gym to class. study hall yeah. instead it's a small school well and that size of that prom is not terribly that's large true. you know that's true it's very yeah. back to the future okay so the as far as like other people of the time, this is someone who is British. I've not really heard her do an American accent, so I don't know how good she would have been at it. But uh, around the same age as all these actors is Olivia Hussey, who is oh, in that Franco Zeffirelli yeah. Romeo and Juliet as Juliet. Mm -hmm. And I think she's wonderful. And yeah. I think that she actually would do, fit this mold exactly of someone who it's like you you see her like joining in. She's not like weird enough to be a Carrie. But she definitely has so much heart that I could see her being like a good fit for a, like a remorseful Sue, you know, um, you know, who is the same age as Amy Irving is Joanna Gleason, who is my fave, Joanna Gleason, Tony Ward winner for Into the Woods, but also in like a number of things. She's in like Mr. Holland's Opus and the Wedding Planner and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, Joanna Gleason, <laughs> I buy you as someone who's sure. looking to do the right thing. Um, and then if it were made a lot more recently, I'm looking at like around Bring It On era, like a Gabrielle Union. Oh. Someone who is like, yeah, you're super hot, but I get that you're also like, ooh, I, I, I take it back, you know? Um, maybe also, and this is the person who did a film with Jenna Malone that I was thinking of, like a younger Carrie Mulligan, 
Mm. someone who it's like you're not you she could act the crap out of carrie sure but i think actually this is maybe a better fit for her where it's yeah. like yeah you're like a popular girl but you have a soul yeah yeah so those are my thoughts awesome i mean because judy greer is playing the gym teacher in that remake but if this was made like late like mid late 90s i think this would mm-hmm. be judy greer in totally. the sue snell role would crush uh at the time i also see Diane Weist as a Sue Snell. Diane Weist, a one-person show, please. <laughs> and only, just mainly because of Amy Irving's hair in the film, what about Broadway's Bernadette Peters? <laughs> I could say. I'm just saying I could say. Bernadette. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If it was like, Bernadette yeah. is playing Chris. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, my uh, gosh. why not? Uh, so, uh, PJ Souls, hat girl herself, said that Steven Spielberg often came to the set at Brian De Palma's invitation because De Palma told him there were, quote, a lot of cute girls down here. And she said that Spielberg asked out most of the women on the set, Souls included, and Amy Irving was the only one who accepted. And they, of course, would go on to get married. And you're telling me. That that entire opening sequence with all that nudity. I'm hoping that was wasn't the scene where it's just like Stephen. Okay, here's the scene. Okay, so look, Stephen. I mean, come to set whenever. That was probably but you closed n- set. Gotta come to set for this day. Auga, auga. If you want to be picking out the future, Mrs. Spielberg, you gotta come to this. Set. I, oh Brian De Palma talk like this, but I'm imagining that he. Oh, you gotta come Stevie, this day, baby. Stevie, baby. Oh my God. Oh, okay. Okay, look, hey, you go, you girls ever hear of a movie called Jaws? Let's see them tits. <laughs> <laughs> the director of Jaws is here. You don't want to embarrass yourself in front of the director of Jaws, so get naked. Hey, wrap around like a beautiful fairy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, one other actor that was up for this because... Brian De Palma um, envisioned Amy Irving playing Carrie. So for Sue Snell, it was supposed to be Nancy Allen, a.k.a. Chris. She's on my list as like she probably read for Sue and got Chris instead. Which to me, it's so hard to picture. I mean, I mainly know her from this and future De Palma films, Blowout and Dress to Kill. And she's always, she's nowhere near as nasty in those films. But she has such a like an attitude. No, she's great for Chris. But I was like, knowing that these are all a bunch of young actors who don't have a ton of credits, you're going to read them across all of the roles. True. It's very true. Uh, let's move on to Tommy Ross. Amy Jo, your thoughts on William Cat and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? What's it all about, Tommy? <laughs> what's it all about? Yeah. Pippin himself. Yeah, there's uh what was it the oh god, what's the name of it? Like a Amer- great American hero, like some show where he in the early 80s was his like big claim to fame besides this where he gets like a superhero suit and that's the premise that he's just like i'm not heroic i just have a superhero suit and every episode is like i don't know how it's making me fly but he's also pippin and yes which is why i was saying pippin right which i had seen yes of the not in he never played on broadway so i guess it was the tour but like the version that they did a dvd of with still ben vereen and cheetah rivera is Mm -hmm. him as pippin like that hair the hair i mean it's the hair i think he's great in this as well but that the hair, hair is, is what doing got a lot him of work the, role. the hair is doing uh, he's like lancelot with that hair baby and 
I think he's very charming, and I think the hair is a large part of that. Again, <laughs> no slight to him, but it's also like that's part of an actor's job. How do I come across, and how do I make sure that my whole look communicates what I want to communicate? You know what? He is crushing it. Um, the Goldilocks are working for him. Another Goldilocks of the time uh, that I thought would be also good, Victor Garber. Victor Garber. I think it's a gimme. It's mm-hmm. very obvious. Um, another guy who is like the same age who I think also... I mean, we haven't seen this kind of like dashing performance from him, but very attractive. Brad Dourif, you know, Billy from One Fell of the Cuckoo's Nest and Grima Wormtongue well, from Well, yes, I mean, would go on to, of course, be Chucky no, and Wormtongue. Very Tongue. different. But very at the time, different. at the time, he when had, he's like two, three years off, away, three years off yeah. from having played Billy All you Bivet. need is some high sure. cheekbones, you know, and he's you're good to him. go. And he's got him. Um, for a more contemporary version, these guys are both too old to do it now. But, you know, if we're talking five, ten years ago, um, Reggae Jean Page from mm-hmm. Bridgerton. It's like, well, you want a hunk? There you go. Who's a nice hunk? Who's a nice hunk? Um, and then also this actor, Chris Chalk, who is in that Perry Mason that we just watched. And he's in a bunch of other stuff um, who I was... Saddened to learn is several years younger than myself. Um, but thinking of like a younger version of him as someone that's just like, I just read on him like just a quality of like, just like goodness, like I a could solid be popular, dude. But I'm de- a decent human being. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's very good looking, but you're also like, I-, I believe that this is someone who's like, even if it's reluctant at times, is doing yeah. good. Um, so those are, those are my thoughts. Love it. Yeah, I think William Cat is great of the time. Born the same year as William Cat, I could see Kurt Russell. He's still mm-hmm. Disney era. Kurt Russell That's is before right. Escape from New York, uh, so he's still just a little golden boy. Uh, also, same with Mark Hamill. I mean, of course he's busy with Star Wars, but if he had mm-hmm. the time, like I could see that. I dig that. Uh, I think he's like twenty two at this time. Imagine a baby Denzel. I have, I'm learning in this moment. I have no idea how old Denzel actually is. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, since it's basic, just considering of like yeah. her today and that she was like 28. Like, yeah. I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, I think he was in his early 20s at that time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or he's very charming. I think he, I forget how old he'd be exactly. So he, it might be, it, maybe he'd be a little too young at the time, but I can also see like a, a, a young Patrick Swayze, I think of like someone you're like, oh yeah, sure. you are gorgeous, but you're also just a nice human Again, being. Again, a kind hunk. You're not coming across, like you couldn't, John Travolta, great as Billy. You could not have John Travolta as Tommy. Oh no. I could not see it. No, because you're always going, all right, it's just what's Andy this Zuko? guy got planned? It, well, it is just like, wait, you mean you're not going to put out at least? Ah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take Carrie to the drive-in theater. I should have slammed the car door on my Oh, jeez, I'm going to sing a song about I'm it. I'm going to learn to drive-in. Yeah. Oh, Carrie. Uh, so the one actor who was up for this role, John Ritter. <gasps> John Ritter? This is the same year that Three's Company started. Oh, Nay. But John Ritter was considered. You know, which I get in terms of, I can see John Ritter just being like that, which you kind of need someone that is just like 
pulling Carrie out of her shell. Sure. And it can be nice when he is very much just like, I'm not going to leave your doorstep until you say yes to go to the prom with me. Like, no, I'm not taking no for an answer. You, It's it's a very easy for this role to come across as very ominous, insufferable yeah. and potentially ominous, even though you backload it by no knowing or front load, I guess, by knowing like, no, he has no malicious intention It's only because his girlfriend is like, could you please do this? And he's just like, all right, I'm a nice enough guy. I love you. That's all right. Yeah. So, but like John Ritter hunk, I never was familiar with, but I see him like at the prom and like, you want to dance? Like, look, I, we're just going to have a good time. Uh, I'm going to look up a picture of a very young John Ritter and see if I see if I give it the hunk stamp of approval. Maybe this will be like looking up young Leslie Nielsen in Psycho and young Sam Elliott for Superman, the movie, young John Ritter. John Ritter was a good, good looking guy. Well, he does look like someone from the 70s. Oh, oh, wow. There's this one photo that I'm looking at when he's like on the dating game, I, I guess. That is the exact where he's one very that clean I, this cut. one. Yes. Yes. And it's like, oh. Yeah. He. Okay. Wow. So clean cut. Yeah. Very the, clean the, cut and very like, gosh, I'm shag, all American. The shag was becoming on him. The shag hair was yeah. more becoming than this like high It softens him a bit. This makes him look like uh, a douchebag on Mad Men. There's also this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, no, oh, that's that very charming. A douchebag on Mad Men. Well, doesn't he look kind of like Rich Summers in that dating game photo? Yeah, that's Rich a real... Summers, that's, that's who a, I'm sure is real, like uh, a Ken lovely Cos- human. But Ken, I'm, Ken, I'm, I'm Ken. Ken Cosgrove. But I'm Ken talking Cos- about the character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. Okay, so I, I see it, but also I think uh, if you, when you end up casting literally Pippin, um, <laughs> it seems like a weird choice. Sure, but just from an acting standpoint, yeah, he's uh, good at acting. You know, you know, you could. That's what wigs are for. You could slap. That's what could you wigs. imagine if John Ritter had this hair? That'd be so weird. Be, it's only no. you can only do that for someone that we're not so well versed in them. To Correct. Then, <laughs> Correct. Because otherwise, you're like, but what? Uh, and let's move on to Chris. Argenson. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Nancy Allen and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? She's great. She's a nasty piece of work, but I buy every minute of it. Yeah. Okay. As far as other <laughs> choices, um, a very young, I think around the same age as, as uh, Nancy Allen, like a very young Ellen Green, you know, oh, just thinking of her in Audrey herself, Audrey herself, but also what's that the professional that she's in? She's she in, is. She is Natalie Portman's mother in the professional. Yeah. And she's just, a real piece of work. I can see that real piece of work quality yeah, working yeah. Uh, in this. Uh, I believe also the around the same age as Pam Greer. Ooh. I'm, I'm interested in that. Sure. Um, and then like, yeah, like a Grace Jones. I just want Grace yeah. Jones and everything. <laughs> I'm like, Jones. what's where can we put Grace Jones in this? Uh-huh. Here we go. Um, for a Grace, no, Grace Jones is would like Zelda Rubenstein and Teen Witch. She's someone that also has telekinesis that she shows up to be like, Carrie, like, here's your powers. And, and it could be like a one scene cameo of Carrie being like, nope, you must be Satan. Grace Jones is God who yes. visits her and yes. is like, Carrie, here's your powers. Take your mother down. She's <laughs> Satan. And we're like, that all tracks. Um, More contemporary, not like made today, but we're talking like. She would also appear out of a christmas present like in that peewee's christmas special obviously obviously and, uh, listener if you have not watched peewee's christmas special do yourself a dang favor <laughs> whether you celebrate the holiday or no you'll celebrate this ridiculous special you'll celebrate grace jones day i lo- here, here here's a good thing for you to know there's so many guest stars but at one point it's like 
almost the end. And Pee-wee goes, now the only thing missing is Charo. And then Charo <laughs> appears. And that phrase is a thing I said a lot in my mid-twenties. Um, Charo never appeared, but I lived in hope. Um, okay. If you say it enough times, she'll appear. Like That's like what you want. That's the Candyman, like Bloody that's Mary, Bloody that there Mary should I be. Design. You should be able to, like if you go to the bathroom and, and turn off the lights and go, Charo, 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 Charo. Charo. you'll turn them on and suddenly there's, hey! there's Charo dancing. <laughs> uh, uh, the stuff that dreams are made of. Okay, so um, more contemporary. If this is like a 2000s picture, I feel like Mandy Moore is yeah. VV. I was thinking of her when I was thinking of Jenna Malone and Saved because yes. Mandy Moore is a similar role very, in Saved. It Princess Diaries is just like, yeah, she w- made a really good mean girl uh-huh. for a brief time there. Uh-huh. And then I don't, th- this this actor wasn't doing like uh, films and TV at this point in time, but like w- if she was a bit younger, like a Jamila Jamil, as far as like she, she obviously like on The Good Place and stuff is playing right. someone who's a lot like I mean, more. Was she even alive at this time? Not, I meant more contemporary. Sorry. Oh, okay. well, I meant said, more, sorry, you sorry. Said not Let me doing rephrase movies this. And TVs at this time. I don't think she was making movies and TV at the time at which she would have been appropriate for this role, like Mandy Moore was. I got gotcha. Sorry, that I gotcha. was worth it. So no, I, I do not think she was tw- alive in right. 1976. Eight, eight early 20s, Jamila Jamil was not Correct. doing Correct. I think she was a radio personality. I understand. However, I understand. I think that yeah. she would also be yeah. very full, interesting. Full in Tahani, just full mean girl. Totally. I, I dig that. Uh, yeah, I had trouble with this one. I mean, like, I could see this made, uh, whatever, a decade ago. I could see, like, an Ari Grainer. There's also, mm-hmm. so, it, the role is just so Me. heightened. Yeah. So, Nancy Allen said that she never realized her character was going to be so evil until she saw the finished film because she thought her and Travolta were playing such self-centered, bickering morons that they were there for comic relief. She's like, how could anyone take their, them seriously? We're just so stupid. Mm-hmm. And just calling each other just, like, what, what is it like stupid piece of shit or whatever yeah, i think dumb shit i yeah. think is what she calls it she's like i didn't know that it was gonna come across as like so like such hatred for this yeah. character so i was like who are other people that are of a similar vibe so i was like either kim walker or shannon doherty from heathers right uh or julia campbell aka christy masters from romeo michelle i was High School Reunion. a very very christy masters just over the top just like you were just you were put onto this earth to, to make other people's make lives miserable other people miserable yeah. yeah now nancy allen would later marry brian de palma which is why oh. she's also then in blowout and dressed to kill uh, they divorced in 1984, so it was like not for a long period mm-hmm. of time, but it, for that brief period of time that they were uh, collaborating on a lot of uh, projects. Um, and she's very good. She's very good, especially Blowout. She's very good. And mm-hmm. um, as is Travolta, as the two of them end, John Lithgow as your villain, Hi-yo. which is what you want. So the one other performer who was up for Chris when Amy Irving was going to play Carrie and Nancy Allen was going to play Sue was somehow Sissy Spacek interesting as your mean girl chris which like i I, you know it's the power of hair and makeup and wardrobe and also like i don't know sissy spacek personally maybe she comes across as someone with like a great deal of confidence and sass you know that she could play that as well you know that yeah but that's so impossible for me to picture same yeah is bananas i it really but like that's like not to say anything that, like, if, oh, if Amy Irving was Carrie, the film wouldn't have worked. But I, if, I can't imagine the film would have been what it was 
if all three of those roles had, had been shooken out, had shooken, had shook ha- out that way. Had been shooken. Had, had been shooken been up shooks, like that. Shooks that <laughs> had way. Shooketh. I was shooketh. I was picturing it. So those are all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters I didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Betty Buckley, of course, we've been talking about. She had originally auditioned for Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise, mm-hmm. which she didn't get the part, but Brian De Palma kept using her for loop groups on the film, which we uh-huh. don't know what that is. That's like they'll bring in a few people. Like for all background scenes, whenever you hear like crowd murmuring. Oh gosh, what are you saying there? Exactly. What's happening over there? Because in the, t- in the moment, you can't be getting that audio because you've got whatever else going on as background noise and you can't trust extras no. and sometimes having you also been an have... extra you can't trust no. extras there were there were people who showed up to braveheart and full they were like put into full costume and wardrobe and then were then still wearing digital watches on <laughs> set and they had to be like well now i have to reshoot this um but yeah it's also like sometimes with a big crowd scene you'll have like a director like over like a, a megaphone, like shouting people, out, yeah, direction. where to yeah. go, knowing they're going to put the right. audio in later. And so the loop groups, you'll get some people together to just be like, oh, wow, wow, oh, look at that, oh, we're having a party. Uh, <laughs> and so he kept using her for that and end his subsequent movie, Obsession, and then beefed up this role. So the role was sm- much smaller in the, this film, Carrie, originally, until he was like, no, I want to cast Betty Buckley and make this a big feature. Mm-hmm. She feels like the third biggest totally. part in the film. Uh, which is great. She's great in this. She was only, yeah, 28 at the time of filming. So she was two years older than Sissy Spacek and three years older than Nancy Allen and hat girl PJ Souls. Hilarious. And Betty Buckley is the one who does the voice. There's at one point like this annoying little Muppet on a bike that's going, creepy Carrie, creepy Carrie. And Sissy Spacek just looks at him and his bike, he eats <laughs> crap in the ground and Betty Buckley does the voice Amazing. for that kid. The talent. Also, it's just so funny because Betty Buckley hasn't done a lot of films in in more recent years. So just be looking at that and being like, and she's not going to burst out singing. That feels a waste <laughs> with them vocals. Come on. Come on. Creepy Harry. <laughs> uh, also, her terrified look right before she's killed is real since they hadn't been able to test the falling backboard. Because it's like oh backboard just like swings down yes. and like bisects her. And they couldn't test it to know for sure where it was supposed to stop. So they didn't know it how it would work. And that's the thing that's supposed to, I don't know, kill the character. Yeah. So you're looking at her. When you watch that scene of her death, like know that she is like, this could be the end. This oh, could be how I die. I'll tell you what that is. Not cool. Uh, so listener, right before we started recording, I told Amy Jo that there was oh, someone yes. else okay. in this film who is in a previous episode. I'm going to, I'm guessing it's glasses with the tight it curly hair. It is indeed hair. glasses. Okay. Girl, Cause I recognized her, but I was name, like, who is this? It's, her character's name is Helen. She's Helen. one of the mean girls. She originally had no dialogue in any part of the film. So she improvised everything. So every single line of hers in this film is improvised. Amazing. And Brian De Palma was a fan. So like, keep doing what you're doing. So let's see if this clue does it for you. She plays a secretary. Wait, <laughs> Wait, is that her and Ferris Bueller? Edie McClure oh, as Helen, what? Principal Rooney's secretary no. in Ferris Bueller. That's only 100%. like six years later, right? Because this is, I mean, this is seventy. Probably filmed in seventy-five. Then or, yeah, seventy-six. Wait, yeah, this is seventy-six, and that's eighty-five. So that's like a nine, okay. All right, eight oh, years away. My gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I never would have put that together. 
Wow. She also got that great Chicago accent in Ferris Bueller. Oh, they all think he's a righteous dude. A righteous dude. <laughs> yeah. Edie McCord. Wow. MVP. Well, because she also just like, she pulls a couple of great faces. Like she's yeah. so expressive. She's I mean, like, it's her and, her and Hat Girl. Yeah. Are the best pulling around all that dead weight, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Hat Girl, as I said, only cast for two weeks, but when she whacked his face with her hat, Brian De Palma was like, "You're staying around." So, for her death scene, the last we see of her is the fire hose like hitting mm-hmm. her. The water pressure is so high on that hose that it burst her eardrum. <sighs> you can see, and this is the shot that made it into the film. That it like it hits, it's like hitting her in the face as her head turns and it's like boom in her ear. So yeah, she is in such pain and lost her ability to maintain equilibrium, which is why she's just like, nope, I'm I'm just on the ground. Uh, and she had no hearing in that ear for six months afterward, though the eardrum did heal, thankfully. Well, here's the thing: it is very well known that like fire hoses are very dangerous like of that velocity why are you doing that well maybe in 1976 we weren't as aware of like to the level of danger because people weren't pointing fire hoses at people's ears on a regular basis uh i I mean we shouldn't be doing that in general but it's i feel like it's all you know but i feel like hoses have been used to like control crowds and stuff before like it's not like like protesters and stuff, you know. I oh, feel and like- you know how much that they are so caring about uh, that, making sure that hoses. We don't want to accidentally hurt a protester's no, eardrums. That, but no, that's what I'm saying is that like people don't care about protesters. So why would then someone on a film set where they're like we're having to think about the legal ramifications of this be like, you know what people use in, in something that's maybe the borderline brutality? Like let's use that on our young actors. Or it was an accident. Like, yeah, I don't know. Sure. I don't, I don't know all of the particulars, but, Ugh, you know, that's it, awful. the shot makes it into the film and the eardrum healed just as good. But yeah. it is like, yikes. Knowing that and watching, you're like, oh, God. It's just like I winced when we watched it because I knew that trivia beforehand. Uh, John Travolta, as Billy Nolan, auditioned on his lunch break from filming Welcome Back, Hotter, wow. and showed up to his audition still dressed as Vinnie Barbarino. <laughs> His first major film role, and he's great. He but you see him, and you're like, "This kid's a star. This kid is oh, he's a so charming. Star. He's so funny." You look at the other goons, and you're like, "Get these guys out of here! <laughs> Get everybody else out of here!" And it's not just because it's like he's someone we're familiar with; it's because he's funny and he's charming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Piper Laurie as Margaret White. She mm. She'd retired from the movie business after The Hustler, which was 1961, when this script came her way, uh, which that's. Cause that's like 15 years just like having not made a movie. Uh, and she initially did not understand the script at all, thinking it rather cliched until her husband pointed out that De Palma usually took a comedic approach to his work. When she reread the screenplay with that viewpoint, the role made a lot more sense to her, but she found the role so over the top that she was convinced the film was a comedy. And she still thinks that the film should be seen as a very, very dark comedy. Because she just found she's like the the way that they she's like the way that they made me up the oh, way yeah. they costumed me I'm like she this looks, is ridiculous she does look ridiculous yeah 
Uh, and yeah, I was like, she's like, that's to her. The film is still a black comedy and she still is not quite sure why people still like the film as much as they do. Uh, and it's like, Piper, don't you understand how good you are in this though? You and Sissy and the film in general, but it's like the two it of them together. It is also different when you're watching yourself though. Sure. And you know your own point of view. You can't take all of that information I can out under, of the I equation. I can absolutely see if I'm in her shoes to be like, why am I hiding behind the door as Next she goes to past, the dress form, takes a full bath and then comes out and then I come out from behind the door. I mean, that tells me a lot about that character. True. <laughs> Patience. Yeah, true. Very true. But I can understand being like, I, I, how do I justify that? It's like, wh- why wouldn't I just come out behind the door now? Why am I waiting? Like, how do you justify you locking your daughter about? in a closet every night though? No, but that, ju- that to me is justified by the character. I think also this is a point in the film where she no longer has the control over her daughter that she used to. So it is also like being able to like take her temperature and know she's there like, and, and have a slight element of surprise to gain some sort of leverage over her is the only reason I can think of that, but also cause it just looks creepy. I, I, but like, I don't know, then we shouldn't have shown that she was behind the door before she went into the bath. But what it does is it makes you sit there going like, is she uh, going to come and stab her true. in the bath that's at any point true. in time? Also, they've been using those psycho shrieking violins the entire movie, which yeah. is funny to think this only came out like 16 years after. Yeah. So it's not that far removed from psycho. So of course someone like in a bathtub, you know, we've seen her oh, have, sure. we've seen her have a horrible shower scene in the beginning. And then we're seeing like blood being wiped out. Like there's no way you're not going to think that with the screaming mm. violins that there's some kind yeah. of like, is the stab going to happen here? And instead he just keeps delaying it, you know? That's a good point. I didn't even think about that, of the, the of it, how much Psycho would have been, like, on top of any scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way bathroom. that you could, like, see this yeah. 15 years after that came out and completely yeah. changed the way that you, like, looked at, you know, movie making and, and not think that. Uh, final thoughts on Carrie. Any moments we didn't touch on? Any characters we didn't get to? Not really. I think I've talked about a lot of my thoughts. It's very good. <laughs> so good. Uh, I love, love, because one of the big selling points of the film was that jump ending. Mm. Like, this was before that was, like, the one the last hand. scare. Yeah. yeah. The one last scare that now is so commonplace in horror films. Just end on, like, one last j- big jump scare. It wasn't being done until this point. Uh, yeah, you told me this. the jump scare was coming. I had to. But well, I know how you are at jump well, scares. Well, so you're like, there's a jump scare coming. So I was like, oh, it's going to be the hand coming out of it, which yeah. I didn't know that that happened in this movie. But I'm like, I've seen movies before. So now that you've told me that, thank you. Yes, I, I know. But you're like, it's going to be, she's going to go up. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gathered that. I've seen Adam's Family Values. I know <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're doing there. Uh, yeah, they're really just draw, doing a carry in exactly. Adam's Family Values. Um, but this was like, like Ebert said, this was like not not since Jaws when like the, sh- the shark suddenly appears like that. This is the jump scare that has like terrified people. Mm-hmm. And so when the film came out, Sissy Spacek would just go to the movies for just the last five minutes of the <gasps> film. Cause she loved seeing the audience jump. <laughs> so and she's, she's like, <laughs> it was worth it. Me sitting in that box. Be buried. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is the moment I had to be buried alive to do that, to get this shot from my hand. So I want to see the, the, the what that the led to. I want to see that payoff. She said, people are all relaxed. The music is really beautiful and relaxing. And all of a sudden that hand comes up and people just go crazy. Well, even if you hadn't told me that 
she's walking down the street and the way she's lit is unlike anything else in the film is lit and she's barefoot. So I was like, this is a dream sequence. They apparently filmed it in reverse to give it an a added feel? weird ethereal quality. So she was walking she's backwards. She's walking backwards. Oh my gosh, that's a pain. <laughs> or it's just the last shot is like the the hand oh, retracting. Yeah. Like I, I don't know exactly what is reverse, but some, par- some parts of this last scene are all shot in reverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so funny. So thank you again to Nicole for recommending Caddy. Nicole. So fun to revisit this. So glad we did this on the pod. Uh, and if you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of, email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Gosh, if you want to do know what film we're doing next or just want to see our shenanigans on the social meds, follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred. Thank you.